Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, 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 uh, good morning. How's everybody? <clears throat> good? Damien's the only one who ever gets applause for announcements. Um, it never fails. It's amazing. Uh, I'm glad you're here. My name's Gerald, and I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome. Uh, if you're first time, especially, we are thrilled that you are here. We're starting a brand new series today called Jesus Up Close. And uh, so I was thinking this week that uh, um, uh, I'm do, I do some writing, and uh, one of the things I do is I do fiction writing for uh, middle grade. It's like middle grade Christian fiction, and so it's like the, in the 8 to 12 year old range, but you kind of, if you're outside that range, you can read it too, of course. But uh, when I wrote the first book in this series uh, that was a middle grade action adventure series, it was set in New York City. Like I, I decided I want to set the story in New York, and uh, that was cool. I, I think. Uh, a lot of movies have New York as a setting and a lot of books have New York as a setting. The only problem was at that time I had never been to New York City. And uh, so no problem, right? I mean, I did a lot of research online. I've seen you know, movies and seen it a million times. But uh, in order to really figure out what it was like, I, ha I decided I actually need to go. Like, I need to, I need to go. And so uh, I got a ticket. Uh, I, I stayed, I went to New York for two, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm gonna go for two days. And I got there really early one uh, morning and I had my backpack on and I was kind of like uh, uh, doing recon in the city. I mean, I kind of snuck around, I figured out all the cool places, I went in the subway, I just, I just wanted to get a sense of the place, right? Like a sense of what it felt like, a sense of what the people were like, a sense of what it looked like, a sense of what it, what it smelled like. And uh, if you know New York, I mean, you've been there. It's, it, it, <clears throat> it's got a certain smell. Um, actually, it's got a, that was, that was 10 years ago. It's got a different smell now um, when you go, uh, I won't speak about that, but, the, uh, but, but you got, I had to go and see what it was like. There's a difference between knowing about New York City and experiencing New York City, right? Like, there's a difference between knowing about it and experiencing it. So um, here's the idea behind this entire series. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you up front. It's this, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know Jesus, you need to get close. If you want to know Jesus, you need to get close. When, when my wife Liz and I, before we got married, we, we knew about each other. I knew about her. I had some people tell me about her and how amazing she was. I knew about her on social media, and uh, she knew about me. She sort of slid into my DMs. <laughs> that sounds terrible, really. That's a, that phrase. Um, that's not actually what happened, she will tell you. But we knew about each other, but it was way different once we got to know each other, way better, just, just completely life-changing. But uh, there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And Jesus' invitation to you and to me, and, and by the way, I got like a, um, I got a little bit of a congestion today, so I get this deep voice today, so I'm gonna use it, all right? I'm gonna lean into it. Um, Jesus' invitation for you is to not just know about him, right? It's to know him. It's to know him. And there's a difference. So Jesus is doing this all the time with you. He's giving you this. He's like beckoning you to go on a trip with him. Come go on this journey with me. Come and see. Come and experience me for yourself. Come and get the feel of, of, of who I am for yourself. Come and experience life with me for yourself. He's always inviting, always inviting, always 
inviting. And, and one of the best ways to do that, and we, and we thought, well, let's take time to do this as a church. Let's take time to study the book of John, because he, um, in, in some ways, is, is different than anybody else. I want to tell you a little bit about the author uh, of this book that we're going to read today, the book of John in the Bible. Um, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the four Gospels. And uh, you may know some things about them. Um, Mark was written first, uh, and, and, and you may or may not know this, but a lot of people call Mark the Gospel of Peter because it was basically what we understand is that uh, a lot of what Mark wrote were Peter's stories. They were buddies, and, and he wrote uh, and recorded a lot of what Peter, the disciple, the apostle, Peter saw uh, when he experienced Jesus. Um, we, we don't know a lot about Matthew, actually. I mean, unless you watch The Chosen, which you know all kinds of things about Matthew. But um, they, all we really know about Matthew was that he was a tax collector and uh, turned follower of Jesus, and he wrote a gospel. Um, Luke is amazing because the gospel of Luke, he, he's so detailed. He was a doctor, and he provides so much insight for us. And he actually wrote, I, I've been saying this wrong, and I just want to own this mistake. I've been saying for a long time, I, you might have heard me say, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. That's actually not true. Um, Luke wrote the majority of the New Testament. He wrote 28% of the New Testament uh, because he wrote the book of Luke, which is long, and he wrote the book of Acts, which is really long. And, uh, and, and while Paul wrote a ton, he wrote 24% of the New Testament. I learned that uh, in preparation for this series. <clears throat> the, the, those three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptics. They're called the synoptics, and what that word means is with one eye open. It means with, or with, with one eye, the synoptics, the synoptic gospels with one eye. That means that they relied on a similar source. And if you read those gospels, if you've read them before, or maybe you've had a college, you were in college and you had a class about them, you see similarities, and that's because they uh, all utilize a similar source, and that, that, it's this idea of with one eye. They use some shared material together. But John is, is altogether different. And, and it, he's so worth exploring. I, I'll tell, you, tell people all the time, if you've never really read the Bible, and, and, and uh, um, it, it, this is the place to start. If you've never really read the Bible, the book of John is the place that you want to start because you get up close with Jesus in, in, a, in a different kind of way than the others. John was um, the, the brother, his brother was James. James and John were the sons of Zebedee, also called known as the sons of thunder. We don't really know why. Um, so Zebedee was his father. A, a woman named Salome was his mother. And Salome's sister was Mary, Jesus' mother. So Jesus and John were cousins. Uh, Jesus and John were cousins. Cousins, And so when John wrote this gospel, he was older in his life. The, the, the story of the church is that all of the apostles, all of the, all of the original ones were martyred, were killed for their faith, except for John. He was exiled. He was sent away to this island called Patmos. And, uh, and so that's where he stayed, and he did most of his writing there, we, we think. Now, Peter was a good friend of his. He was like a steady companion of John's, but he had died prior, about 30 years before John wrote his gospel. All the disciples were martyred but him, and he spent his time writing. And so John writes this book as an old man. The other ones didn't really do that. But John writes it as an older person, and he has what older people have. So if you're a younger person in the room, here's the thing. Um, there are people who are older than you who have something that you need, all right? They have something that you can't have until you're older, and it's this one thing that you need. And so you need to listen to the people who are older than you, all right? And uh, I got an amen on that? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Perspective, perspective. Old, older people around us are a gift because one of the things that they give us is perspective. So, so John had seen a lot of Christians persecuted and, and killed for their faith. He'd seen a lot of people come to know Jesus. 
He had preached the gospel of Jesus for decades and decades and, and decades. He had done all of those things and he had seen so many things happen. He'd seen people die, his friends die. He'd seen the church grow. And, and so he has all of this perspective under his belt and, and the way that he thinks about Jesus is just a little different than the rest of, of the, the, the Gospels. Um, he knows also some things, like he knows that we have Mark, like he knows, he knew when he was writing that, that we have Mark, we have those stories to go on and so he leaves out some things that are really interesting and really kind of curious. He leaves out um, the birth story of Jesus. How do you leave out the birth story? I mean, I, I, if I'm writing a a biography of somebody I want to include when they were born and how that happened. He didn't include any of that. He leaves out Jesus' parables, like the parables, the stories Jesus told. Now, what we'll make a case about as we go through the book of John is that he's actually telling one big parable about the life of Jesus. But he leaves out all the, all the, all the parables that we read about. He leaves out a bunch of miracles. He includes some miracles, but he leaves out a out a bunch. He leaves out the transfiguration. He leaves out the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, that's a big one. And he leaves out the Lord's Supper. He, he leaves that out. But here's what he adds. He adds Jesus watching the disciples' feet. He adds the, the, the miracle at the wedding of Cana. And we'll talk about that. Like Ethan's going to unpack that next week for us. He, he, I mean, sorry, he, he leaves that in. He adds that in. He adds in the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. In John chapter, chapter 3, which is just incredible, this incredible interaction that you're going to relate to wherever you are when it comes to your faith. He leaves in the story, uh, he tells us the story about the woman at the well and this long interaction that she and Jesus have. It's, I think, the longest conversation he has with anyone he has with a, a non-Jewish woman at this well. He wasn't even supposed to be talking to her. They weren't even supposed to be talking to one another. Instead of the birth narrative, what we get and, and we're going to walk into it in a minute here. We get the incarnation. We get the story of the incarnation. In other words, Jesus, I mean, God taking on flesh. The story of the, of the incarnation. John, in, in this seminary word here, he has a, what, what's known as a high Christology. In other words, this high view of Jesus, this exalted view of Jesus, and that comes from years and years and years of preaching Jesus and understanding who he really was. And he had time on his side when, he, when they were digging into who he actually was and understanding him. And then, with John, you get these, these whispers. Like, like he, he has these little, these little asides, like he'll step away from the table and he'll say, hey, uh, they did this because they didn't know that he was the Messiah. Or he'll tell a story, he'll say, they, 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 they did that because they just didn't understand. And it's almost like he's, he's coming to his readers here really closely and he's like whispering. He does that 59 times in the Gospel of John. He has this little, these little asides that he takes. It's, it's kind of amazing. It, he'll say that happened because, because they didn't know who he was. The, the structure of John is interesting. And I'll just tell you right now, um, we're going to structure this with one eight-week section now. Okay, we're gonna, so we're going to go eight weeks through John 1 through uh, 11. And then we're going to take part two starting in February. We'll take a break. We'll take part two in February. John 12 through 21. Here's why we're splitting it up that way, because the first half of the book of John is the first three years of Jesus' life, and the second half of the book of John is the last week of Jesus' life. Isn't that amazing? Like, like he is racing to the cross. He is racing us to the empty tomb. He's saying, you got to get here fast. You got to get here because this is where we're going. The resurrected Jesus. I can't wait to tell you about him. And so, so that's how we're, we're going to um, 
split this up. Now, uh, I, I hope you noticed, because we actually work hard at picking this music out, our 60-second uh, music today actually has the key question in the entire book of John. Um, you, you might never remember what we just got. I'm, I'm going to play a little snippet for you here. Um, because the key question in the book of John, like John is asking a question and answering it throughout the whole book. He's asking the question, what is love? What is love? <laughs> uh, Mary, you nailed it. My, and Mary's the best. She's amazing on the slides. Uh, he's asking the question, what is love? What? No. What is love? I want to try that again. Actually, do it with me, all right? All right, you ready? You guys ready? And, and we're, we're on it this time. You ready? One, two, three. He's asking the question. One, what two, is three. Love? Oh, no, no, hang on, hang on. I'm... <laughs> that was my fault. Y'all ready? We're going to say it loud, all right? Ready? One, two, three. What, what is love? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. He's asking that, he's asking that question. Um, what is love? No? Oh, we're done. Okay. She's like, that's enough. You can only milk that so much. But that is his preoccupation. And I love that. And he's going to answer it in the most amazing of ways. He's going to answer it in a different way than you think. Um, he's going to, uh, it, it's so much more than just romantic love. It's so much more than just a feeling. He's going to answer it in the person of Jesus. And it's, uh, his answer is amazing. Now, John refers to himself, interestingly, throughout this book as the disciple Jesus loved. <clears throat> the disciple Jesus loved. He, he doesn't call himself John. He, he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. And when I read that first, I'm like, dude, you're cocky. I mean, like, the disciple Jesus loved, the one that he loved, he, he says that a lot, like, like, like uh, Peter and James were there, and, the one, and also the one that he loved, the disciple Jesus loved, it's like, he, he doesn't love anyone else? Is that what you're saying, John? That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. I may be um, a good friend to people. I may be a brother to, to uh, my brother. I, I may be a good preacher and John's saying, John was a church father. He's saying, I may be a church father. I, I, may, I may be a fisherman, and he was a fisherman. Okay, that was his original trade. I may be an influencer in this culture, but most importantly, my most foundational identity is that Jesus loves me. And he's just saying, that's my most foundational identity. And he's not saying that's not true of you. He wasn't saying that's not true of the rest of the disciples, the apostles. He's not saying that. He's saying, I want that to be true of you too. I want that to be true of you too, that my most foundational identity is that Jesus loves me. You can't get deeper than that in your life, in your spiritual life, and understanding that. And my hope in this series is that that will become, if it's not already, your most foundational identity too. The, the beloved the beloved, the one Jesus loves. So he refers to himself as, as the disciple Jesus loves. What would it look like for you to refer to yourself that way in conversation or at least in conversation with yourself? Because we tell ourselves a lot of things that aren't true. And we tell ourselves a lot of negative things, don't we? This is the most incredible news about you and me. You are his beloved. You're the one that he loves. So, um, 
We, we, we can't, as we jump in, I'm going to jump into John 1 today, we can't dig into all the verses of, of every chapter. We just can't do it. Like in 25, 20, 25 minutes, we just, it, it's crazy to think about doing that. So we're going to pick and choose, honestly, what we're going to do. Now, here's, here's why we're doing this, because we trust that you're going to do the rest. Like, you're going to read the rest, and we're actually going to give you resources. You, ho- you, you may have gotten one. I hope you got one as you came in, or if you didn't get it yet, you can get it. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But we're, we're, there's a section, there's three things I want to tell you about. There's a section on our website now called Digging Deeper, and, uh, and, and it is just a series of questions. Yeah, so you, if, you, if you go to the QR code here and get your phone out, do it uh, if you'd like to, or you can go to lovelkn.org slash message notes. And this section called Digging Deeper, it's for uh, questions that you can use for your personal time this week or for a group, like with a group. Now, a second resource is this, and this is where I want to leave the QR code up even longer. Uh, this next resource that we have is a, um, a reading plan. Okay, it's a reading plan on the book of John. It's going to start tomorrow. Here's the cool thing. It's with an app called YouVersion. And YouVersion, if you don't have it, is a great Bible app. So I would highly encourage you, if you're following along in here, and, and uh, you can bring your Bible, that'd be great. If you don't want to bring your Bible, you can follow along there uh, on YouVersion. On but we're going to read this together. And there's a reading for each day. And I think it's, how many days is this? 24 days of the book of John together. We're going to read the whole thing and we'll probably like just tee it up again in the spring when we have section two of this study so we can read it again. But here's the cool thing about these, these reading plans. We do it together. And so there's a, there's a way, there's a community based, uh, uh, Kind of, kind of reading plan there where you can sign up, you can see who else is on it, and then we can kind of communicate to each other. We'll ask a question maybe every day, and you can say, hey, here's what I learned, or here's a question I have, or, or here's what I, I, the insight I have. I, let's do this together, y'all. Like, let's dig in together. And so that way you get the rest of the passages and the verses that we don't get to cover in here today. And then uh, the third thing, oh, I'm so excited about this. These uh, John reading journals, uh, and they're, they have these for, a, I don't know if they have these for every book of the Bible yet, but they have them for a lot. Uh, and, and so we're giving this to you as a companion for this series. So you can use it in a lot of ways. You can use it on a Sunday morning to take notes, but it's so cool because it has the words on one side and a place to write on the other. And uh, we just thought this would be a great gift to give you as we uh, want to encourage you to just dig in together. Okay, so use, use those resources. Would you use those three, um, those three things? So... Um, like I said, if I were writing the book of John, if I were starting to write a story about Jesus, I would start at the beginning of his life. John doesn't do that. He actually goes further back, like way, way further back. And so what we start with is this creation account, like the creation according to Jesus is what John gives us, the creation according to Jesus. And it starts like this. So we're going to dig in. You ready to begin? Let's begin. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, the word that he uses there is actually the word Genesis. I mean, it's, it's the idea of Genesis. So in the beginning, he's saying, start, everything's starting out, everything begins here. And you know how it began? I mean, you can go to Genesis and read the creation account. John is saying, this was what was actually happening. The word was there. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He immediately names Jesus the word. He says, Jesus is, is the word. He's God's spoken word. Is it wild to think that Jesus was there at the beginning? You know, that he wasn't just some, uh, the, the, the kid, you know, the baby born in Bethlehem. Like, he was there at the beginning of everything. And he was the word. He was God's spoken w- word. You know how words work? It's the, it's the verbal expression of an idea. Isn't that what words are? You have an idea, you have a thought, and you speak it out loud. 
He, it's, he's kind of like that, that the relationship with, with him and the Father, God the Father, with Jesus and the Son and the Father is kind of like that. He's, if the Father is the idea, Jesus is the spoken word. And so if you want to know Jesus, if you're sitting here today and going, I, I, want, I do want to know him. If you want to know God, and you're saying, I do want to know God, I want to know who he is, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is the visible, uh, uh, verbal, physical expression of God. And, and so, that's how John hits us out of the gate and he continues, he says this in verse, verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then it continues, he says, um, yeah, in him was life. So, so life is here. Like, like in Jesus there's life and that life was the light of all mankind. And, and so he brings us this, this, uh, this metaphor here about light. And he says, light, the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not over, overcome it. He says, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate who Jesus really is. He's God. In all his power, in all of his fullness, he's there at the beginning. There was nothing that was made that he hasn't touched. There was nothing that was made that Jesus' hands haven't touched, and life comes from him. He's just setting us up for what's next, what he's going to tell the story about Jesus. He's saying life comes from him, life comes from him, and, and light emanates from him. It reminds me of this passage in the, in the book of Psalm, like Psalm 119. It says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Listen, the goal of reading scripture, the reason we put it in your hands today is not just to know more things. It's not just about your, your head knowledge. It's not about um, ultimately memorizing verses. It, that, that's a great thing to do. But the point of that is to get you close to Jesus. The point of that is so that uh, you can have a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. You can have direction in the darkness. And the reality is we all live in darkness. When the pathway grows dim, like when the pathway of life grows dim, Jesus is going to light the way home. When the pathway of light grows dim, if there's nothing else that you remember today, when the pathway of life grows dim, and, and for how many of us, I mean, you don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of us, it's, it's pretty dim right now? Or, or maybe it has been, or maybe somebody close to you, if it's not you today, it's someone else that you know, where the pathway of life is pretty, pretty dark. Jesus offers us light. He will light the way home. We're gonna see that come to life as we study his life in here. And so, so John continues, verse six, uh, we'll just read 6 through 14. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, so, so here comes another character. It's another John, it's not this John writing. Uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. And then, yeah, next one, it, it says, uh, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he's saying there's a guy who came before Jesus and his name was John. We know him as John the Baptist. And, and then verse 10 says this, it says he was in the world and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's, who he's, that's Jesus he's talking about. The world was made through him, but it didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, Jesus came um, really first to, uh, to his Jewish brothers and sisters and they did not receive him, they pushed him away. And so uh, this verse, 
I mean, if you're taking notes, underline it, or if you're just thinking about it, remember it, because here's the key. And he goes ahead right out of the gate, and he says, here's what this is all about. Here's what the invitation is. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who receive him, like if you wanna know what it means to follow Jesus, this is it. He's laying it out at the very beginning. Receive him. To all who received him, who invited him in, to those who believed in his name, those things, he gave the right to become children of God. It doesn't say to, to those who um, completed their to-do list that I gave or to those who jumped over these hoops or these steps. There's an invitation here to relationship. And you're gonna see that played out with some of the first followers of Jesus coming up here. But John the Baptist is preparing the way. Like he comes and he baptizes people in this next section, I'm, I'm gonna um, uh, just talk through it, but he basically baptizes uh, people. He's saying, I'm, I'm preparing the way for the, the one who is to come. I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. People that are hungry for God, come. Um, he, there's one coming that's gonna fill you up. And he baptized them. As, as a way of preparation, as a way of cleansing, uh, this, this symbolic act of preparation for the Messiah. He's saying, all of you who are hungry for God, come. Um, there are those today who, you, you've heard Damien say already that we're, we're baptizing some people today who have said yes to Jesus because they've hungered for him and he's filling that need and, and they've begun a relationship with him. And, and so we're celebrating that. We celebrate that regularly. And it's like a party around here because we just believe, oh my goodness, like, like let's celebrate this together. Like what, this is what we do together. And so if that's you today, if that's where you are and you haven't said yes to that yet, you actually, I'll, give, I'll tell you in a few minutes how you can do that today. Like you could be baptized today if you haven't done that yet. And we believe that it's for believers. Uh, we believe that it's a one-time kind of thing. And it's for those who've trusted Christ and are, are ready to step into that, um, into that decision. Um, but there's nothing else that's holding you back except maybe your own ego and pride. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll extend that invitation to you in a few minutes, so be, be ready for that. But um, moving ahead a little bit, I wanna share this passage uh, at the end of the book of, uh, of, the, of chapter one where he's inviting people to follow him, just like verse, verse 12 here. Um, to finish this, this section out though, I think we got 13. Yeah, the children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And then it says, um, yeah, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh. The word became flesh, right? Jesus, like, like the word with skin on, right? And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. That's Jesus right there. I mean, what an amazing way to say. He is full of grace. He is full of truth. And we need both. We need both. Um, and so, um, moving ahead, there was, uh, it says that the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist was there, two of his followers, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they, they, they left John the Baptist, okay? They'd been following him, and they began to follow Jesus. They left him, and then they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus turns around, and he saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? And, and, and you read that at first glance, and you're like, you read it with a little bit of an edge, right? Like, like what do you want? The two guys are following him. What, what do you want? But it's, but it's really not with an edge. What do you want? 
I think that's a question that he asks us too. What do you want? What do you really, what do you really want? You know, um, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And, and, and he says this, he, he says, come and you'll see. Where are you staying? Come and you will see. And so they went and uh, they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. So it was about four in the afternoon. Jesus' invitation doesn't involve, hey, go and do this first. Like, go and uh, work for me first. Go and learn this first. Um, and, and, you know, I hope you'll do all right. Like, God bless, thoughts and prayers and all that. Just go do that first. Jesus' invitation is this. Come and you will see. Like, like come and see. Come and see. And, and I think it's amazing that he spent that entire afternoon with him. He took them to where he lived. He spent the afternoon with him them. And it's like his invitation is, come and do life with me. Come and do life with me. And John's reminding us, hey, this light is coming into the world. This light has come into the world so that you can see. So that you can see. Jesus' invitation to you is the same. Come and you will see. Come and you'll find. And, and we'll see that repeated again as he begins to invite people to follow him. And so it goes on in verse 43, he says, he says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those two who had heard about John, uh, who heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. The, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to um, Jesus. So Jesus looked at Simon and he said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated, is, is, is Peter. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is, um, is Peter. Do you hear, the, you, you hear the invitation all through this? And, and, and I think it's amazing that Peter gets a new name here. Now, he doesn't do that with everybody. He does that with Peter. He invites them all to follow him, but he, gives, he interacts with everybody differently. And, and so he gives Peter a new name, and the, the name actually it, it connects to the word rock. You know, like, like Petra, or Peter, that this, this idea of a rock. And I don't know when I read that if Jesus is just joking, right? He's saying like, here comes Peter. We're gonna, I mean, he's, he's kind of like a rock. Like maybe he's talking about like his head. Like his head's, head's kind of like a rock on top of his shoulders, you know? Not a very bright guy. Or, or maybe it's a joke or maybe, maybe Jesus is looking into the future and he's saying, hey, here's who you're gonna be. Here's how I, how I see you. And so how you're gonna be, that's how I'm seeing you now. That's how I'm seeing you now. Even if you don't believe that about yourself. You know that um, he wants to give you a name as well. Like he wants to give us a name. But, but I, I look at Jesus and I, I see him giving people what they need. Like Jesus gives people what they need. He meets you where you are in your own unique struggle, your own unique circumstance, and he says, I've got exactly what you need. Peter needed a new identity apparently because maybe his old one was pretty worn out. He was a fisherman and he was, from what we can tell, a rough and tough guy. But I think Jesus is saying, hey, I know, I know you got a name. I mean, you got your birth name, but now you're being born again. Okay? Now you're being born again and I'm giving you a new name. Remember John's name, by the way? Writer John? Beloved. That was his name, Beloved. And so um, 
verse 43, it says this, just a few more verses today. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That was his interaction with Philip. It was just a simple, a simple follow me. You hear the invitation again? Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, and, and uh, Nathanael said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It must have not been a very, I mean, it was kind of a podunk little town. Like, can anything good come from there? Philip doesn't answer him other than to say what Jesus had said. Come and see. Come and see. And you hear the invitation again. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And, and uh, Nathanael is so surprised. He says, how do you know? How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And so each of them needs something different. Ever Nathaniel, he needed this interaction with Jesus for whatever reason, but what we think he was probably doing was, was praying like a good Jewish, he was a good Jewish man. He was praying under this tree. And he likely was praying for the Messiah to come. So if he's sitting there praying for the Messiah to come and Jesus walks up and he says, I, I saw you doing that. I, I think that that's just what Nathaniel needed, this invitation. Come and see. And so it concludes, the, the, the chapter concludes like this. Um, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. Like I did, I did a cool thing, right? Like I saw you, but I wasn't really around. So you're gonna see greater things than that. And then he goes on, he says something really kind of strange. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, uh, it's, a, it's a weird way to say this, and his Jewish audience would have known what he was talking about immediately. And if you know some things about the Old Testament, you might remember um, a guy named Jacob who, who had this dream. And he, in his dream, saw a ladder going from earth to heaven, and angels were going up and down this ladder. And Jesus is making reference to that. Got it? Thank you. That's reflexes right there, man. Joey can tell everybody. Um, Jesus is making reference to this dream. And, and I think it's so cool that he does that because he knows exactly what his um, hearers, and, and John knows exactly what the readers are gonna, are gonna picture. They're gonna picture, oh, that's Jacob. He's talking about Jacob. But what Jesus is saying is this, Jacob could only dream that, but I'm gonna fulfill it. Jake, what, what Jacob could only dream, this connection between heaven and earth, I'm fulfilling right now because I'm the word come to earth, the word come to flesh. And darkness, you know, was all around them in that day. And depravity, like their own and other people's, was all around them, and pain was all around them, and there was this hopelessness that was around them, even the hopelessness of like empty religion that was available to them, but they had tried it, and it wasn't satisfying. And Jesus in the middle of that is saying, I am the light to show you a way out of the darkness. I'm a light to show you a way out of the darkness. Can we bring uh, our lights down for just a minute? Because I'm gonna tell you, like, our world is dark. I mean, we live in spiritual darkness. 
And we bump into it all the time, don't we? We walk around it, we walk through it, we fumble through it. Uh, we try to help people through it, we have to try to help ourselves through it. And Jesus is saying, this is like light coming to darkness. Like I am inviting you to, to, to step into my light and to take this for yourself. And my light is gonna be like this pathway for your feet so that you can see, you know, in the darkness. And it's amazing how when light is introduced to darkness, darkness can't stand it. The darkness flees. The darkness is gone. It's like Jesus. And John immediately gives us this picture of Jesus as the light who has come to cut through the darkness of this world, but also, more importantly even, to cut through the darkness that's in our hearts, to cut through the darkness in our lives and to invite us out of it to live as people of the light so that as we walk through darkness in this world, we can carry his light with us. That is his invitation to us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk through the darkness. I don't want to have to fumble around. And it's an incredible invitation. And it's one that you can grab a hold of today. And as we walk through the book of John, we're gonna see all these ways in which he shines his light on this world and in us. So, I'm gonna pray for us. And I wanna talk to you for just a minute about baptism and what we're gonna experience. And then the band is gonna sing another song for us. But um, can you just pray with me today? Uh, Let's pray. Father, you are the light of the world. And even though I stand here and hold this light, I'm I'm reminded that that your light shines in the darkness of my heart. And that has changed everything about my life, Uh, my eternity, and my here and now. And God, I'm grateful. Um, May we live as people who um, are people who uh, receive and open up our lives and our hearts to your light. Help us to take a step in that direction today. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.